0: Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma crew. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. Today I have an adoptee story for you. Roger Tellefson was born in Sacramento, California at the Sutter Memorial Hospital and was adopted at three days old. He and his brother, who was also adopted, weren't told until they were adolescent age. Roger recalls his adopted parents telling the two brothers, while their parents stood across the living room, their backs turned to them. It wasn't until 1982 when an older maternal sister, who was also an adoptee, found him and his life changed forever. At the time Roger was found, he was working, had just moved to a new residence, and had a young family, making it a challenge to reunite and make a connection with his biologicals. He later found that having different lifestyles and economic backgrounds was a factor as well in his reunion with some of his siblings. Roger has a two-year degree from a junior college and worked for the Army Corps of Engineers in Sacramento, where he retired in 2004. He was married for almost 40 years to his late wife who passed in September of 2011. He has a daughter, 46, and a son, 44 years old. Here is my interview with Roger Tellefson. So we are welcoming adoptee Roger to the show today. Welcome,
1: Roger. Hi. How's it going? Good. Good. I'm so glad that you want to tell your story. Like I was saying earlier, someone out there is waiting to hear it. So thanks for educating the world today.
2: <laughs> welcome.
1: Um, so I just want to jump right in and ask you what you know about why you were put up for adoption. Do you know anything?
2: No, I actually don't. I do know that I was brought home from the hospital at three days old. I was told I haven't confirmed it that my biological mother was by my adoptive parents paid for her doctor bills and you know all the stuff go around that while she was pregnant mm-hmm. i do know that she was married at the time and she left her husband to come to sacramento um i'm guessing right now that um Now, I do know that her mother was living here at the time, I believe, and probably rejected her. I do know that her mother was married three or four times and, you know, was buried here in Sacramento. So anyway, my birth mother had issues. She was raped by her biological father, so I was told. Mm. And so she never got help for it, never sought psychiatric therapy or anything for it. So anyway, yeah.
1: Do you know why your adoptive parents decided to adopt?
2: Uh, No, I never never did ask. I do know that when I was found, they had to ask what I'm guessing is their lack of self-esteem and confidence in themselves if I was going to leave them. And I'm going... Okay, why would you be asking that? You raised me, why would I leave? Yeah. But yeah, I do know that my adopted dad was working for a local owned by uh, Cassis Brothers here in Sacramento. One of the brothers was a doctor. My putting two and two together, so to speak, is, uh, you know, he might have been talking to somebody and they found out that they were looking for a child. So that's my guess. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So how did you find out you were adopted?
2: Um, They were, I was told my adopted brother and I were, that we were both adopted. We were sitting on a sofa in the living room of the home and um, they stood across the room uh, with their backs to us and told us we were adopted. More trauma.
1: (laughs) So how did that even come up? How did that?
2: I don't I don't know. Remember, I don't know. They just—I remember they stood across the room and told us that we were adopted. I don't know how it came up or what the reason for the timing. I was maybe mm, best I can recall eight or nine years old.
1: Mm. Older than your brother.
2: Three years older. Three years older. Wow, small. And
1: so after you were told. What did you think?
2: That's a good question. I really didn't know. You know, I, I can't speak to that. It was like just, oh, information. I didn't know what to think, actually, at, the, at that time, at that age. Yeah. You know, being 75 now, that's a long ways back.
1: <laughs> so you don't remember, like, feeling traumatized, crying or...
2: No, I didn't cry. Maybe I was traumatized, but I guess that would be part of it because it was more of a, can I say? Yeah, just, I would say traumatized, but not aware of being traumatized. Mm -hmm.
1: I know you were only like eight or nine when they told you, but growing up before that, did you ever feel like a different feeling? Like something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you notice?
2: I just noticed like I didn't fit in. You know, I, d- I noticed that I don't know how old I was, but I was younger than that. Um Out in the front yard, my dad was talking with a, uh, some guys that were helping him and I went and grabbed one of their legs. And I'm going, hmm, I don't recall why I did that. It's just something I felt like doing. So thought that was interesting. So I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, hmm. so, yeah.
1: And your brother was adopted as well. So how was your relationship with him growing up?
2: Uh, We were as different as night and day. He was very bright, intelligent. And I'm still trying to find out what happened to me at birth. I need to know how to find my birth records. I guess apply to the state of California, whatever I have to do to find my, you know, actually what happened. You know because yeah. i really struggled through school didn't get drafted in the um army in the late 60s because i i couldn't do military style push-ups still can't like i said there was just something there that you know my birth parents were and actually my my adopted parents and birth mother were both told that i had cerebral palsy at birth and i go mm-hmm. oh I've come to realize that wasn't true, but whatever happened left me with something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I know a lot of times, even in my case, I had some medical issues, but they did not tell my adoptive parents I had medical issues. And my adoptive mom thinks it's because they think that you're probably unadoptable if they disclose (laughs) that you have a medical issue. So interesting that they even said anything to your adoptive parents that possibly there was something going on. Did you notice some physical disabilities when you were a kid? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. It was competing or doing anything in sports or athletics, I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, what, mm-hmm. back in the 50s when they had in the playgrounds, they would have these overhead ladder things, I couldn't do
1: them. Interesting. And you haven't been, a doctor hasn't diagnosed you with anything?
2: I They they can't tell. I haven't had a, figured out what that is. I could ask a doctor, but I, I've never been motivated to do so until now.
1: Yeah. So how was your adoptive family growing up?
2: I'd say it was okay. Middle class, you know, we were allowed to, we ran the neighborhood with other kids in the neighborhood, you know, had a time to come in for dinner. And uh, I thought it was good enough. My dad put a swimming pool in, in the backyard that he got, don't ask me where he got the harebrained idea to put a, uh, <laughs> a water tank, sink it in the ground and put, I think it was about four inches of concrete in the bottom. It lasted for many years until, cause we lived really close to the Sacramento river maybe about two city blocks or less mm. and the river rose one year and the bottom popped up in school. And that was the end of that. And it got <laughs> to- there with yeah. the swimming pool. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: <laughs> so did you feel a connection with
2: them? Not really. No, no, not at all.
1: Wow. Okay. Not even your uh, adoptive mom.
2: Nope. There was, there was no hugging, nurturing, loving connection at all
1: ever even when you got older yeah and an adult not really wow
2: i've been thinking about it and i don't know if it's true or not but when i was found in 82 i think shortly thereafter is when my adopted mom got alzheimer's mm. and i don't know whether that triggered it hmm. in my being found i have no idea but that's an you know, I'll never know, but
1: yeah.
2: it's just, yeah.
1: So, who found you?
2: An older uh, maternal sister who was looking for health reasons for her son. I think it's something like pneumonia or something like that. And uh, and that well went well for several years until they moved from the halfway between Salinas and Monterey. Mm -hmm. area near Laguna Racetrack. I think it's called something else now, but um, very nice home. She married a guy who was well off. And then they moved in the early 90s to um, New Mexico. You know, we just had not a close relationship. I mean, we spent a couple of Christmases with them while they were close, but it was more of you know, non-disclosure. I mean, I asked her to come visit me, and but she never did really disclose until I forget exactly when that she couldn't drive because she had epilepsy. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. When she was younger
2: when she, and then she said, oh, I grew out of it. And I go, oh, there's your adoptee trauma right there. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't know if she's even aware of that.
1: How did she find you in 1982? There wasn't DNA tests or anything. Uh,
2: no. Yeah. So. she did a lot of research at the library. She's stay at home wife, mother, whatever. So she, um, yeah. And when she when she found me, yeah, a lot of a lot of research, <laughs> libraries and stuff. Yeah.
1: So you said it went well for a long time, and so is it not well now? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um. Don't really have a relationship with her, but due to circumstances, I don't know if I really want to go into it right now, Mm -hmm. at least on 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 air, whatever. (laughs) But both my maternal sisters uh, have—I don't have a good relationship with them. Mm -hmm. The one that I—they both, when my late wife passed in uh, end of September '82, decided don't ever call me again. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: so I called the one that found me. I'll just say her, her name is Mary I got a strong feeling that I needed to call her and when I did I found out her husband of 50 years just passed oh wow so yeah I I have that
0: mm-hmm.
2: ability to sense energy yeah I have that connection and so yeah you know, whether it's trauma that caused that I don't know mm-hmm. but
1: yeah a lot of adoptees have that intuition
2: <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. And empath too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had to, uh, let's say for political reasons, I no longer have a, a relationship with her.
1: Any other siblings that you know about?
2: Nope. Well, i say there's three paternal half sisters. I've met two of them in the early eighties. I met one after doing a DNA test and say that confirmed that who, you know, who my paternal father is. And I haven't met the other two since then.
1: So let's talk about the biological parents then. How did that go? Did you meet them? And
2: It went pretty well. Um, my biological mother went better. But for me, I was not aware of the and I could say it is a fact that reunions bring up anger issues, and I was not aware of that at the time,
1: among a lot of other issues. <laughs> uh, well,
2: yeah, right, yes. right. But I was mostly it. I tried to uh, have a connection with her, but my I was in um, a spiritual community at the time, I still am, and she had transitioned from being Catholic to Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And that was a challenge for me to even, it just went, you know, <laughs> didn't compute for me. I, but even at that, it felt good to be around her, have that connection. But at the same time, interestingly enough, she was, I think you know where this is, Latrobe, south of Stockton. Mm-hmm. That's where she was living. Mm-hmm. And she would come up to live with her daughter that she raised, my half-sister, and then nine months later, she moved back to Las Vegas, <laughs> and so you know, distance and everything was just a challenge with my working and raising family and all mm-hmm. that. It was just hard. Yeah. A challenge. And I tried to get close to her understanding, but with my half sister that was raised by her, it was just awkward, very awkward still is. Yeah. So,
1: so you did fill up that initial connection with your birth oh, mother yeah. though.
2: Yeah, and the birth father was not aware of me at all.
1: Oh, wow!
2: But she remembered his name, and so I gave him a call, found out, and uh, he lived up in um, near Susanville, California, and um, so I met him in Reno, and it was very strange. Although I don't know if I send you a picture, but I've got a picture of him. And I should probably send it to you if you want to include it in the in the whatever online. Uh-huh. I look just like him.
1: Oh, wow. How was that, seeing that?
2: Very strange. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he didn't question that you were his child or anything. Um, contacted him?
2: He never really questioned it. It was like, as best I can remember, it was he just accepted me. He was very good with my grandkids. I was told later he's very good with children, but not so good with wives and uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a player. Uh. Uh, so, yeah, it was like, it was okay. But again, living a couple hours, three hours, or whatever it is away to drive up there again having having my own young family my daughter was six and my son was three at the time and my working it was just like how do I get away you know mm-hmm. to go up there every weekend or whatever yeah and my late wife worked as well
1: do you know if you have any siblings from your dad
2: yeah outside? I think I mentioned I have three those are the only ones that I'm aware of <laughs> <So>. yeah <laughs> Um because I have done DNA tests and nothing else has shown up. Yeah. So yeah.
1: We kind of wonder, I was wonder that about my dad too. Every time I get an ancestry hit in the on my my email, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Are we gonna find another one? Yeah. And my sister always says that too. If I bring up ancestry, she's like, Oh my gosh, is there another one of us out there? <laughs> yeah, haven't found anybody yet, just yeah. us.
2: <laughs> well, I was I was told. That my biological or birth mother, however you want to call it, is um, mm. had a sister, and I was told that she had some mental issues. And they, I wasn't told that she was married or had kids or anything. Mm. Uh, well, a few years ago, I discovered through, um, I guess, synchronicity or serendipity, whatever. <laughs> You know, how Ancestry gives hints or whatever, or somebody posted on Ancestry. There was a connection there. And so now I've got a a maternal first cousin in Texas that I would love to meet. So, yeah. And one, actually, I think there's one in Oregon.
1: So did you make contact with them?
2: Yeah. I communicate with one in Texas quite regularly. Yeah.
1: I don't have any... First cousins. I have a lot of second and third cousins on Ancestry, but I haven't got hmm. any aunts, uncles, nothing, nothing comes up.
2: Yeah. Have you done 23andMe? I have not. Yeah. I found um a maternal great niece on 23andMe. Okay. Yeah.
1: I know I probably should.
2: Lives up in Reading. Uh, they're not on Ancestry. And so yeah, it's quite nice. interesting to note that some people do one and the other. I like both through putting my both biological mother father into family search, which is free. And it's a Mormon database which is quite extensive, but I found a, I think it's about a 10 times great grandfather who either founded or co-founded the town of Hartford, Connecticut and fought in the Revolutionary War, which is kind of cool.
1: That is cool. So it's family yeah. search, is just you yeah. just
2: go on there and you just right. plug
1: in a name and how you get more in
2: for, You can do more things if you're Mormon, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how is it with your or how was it with your biological parents after you met them?
2: Uh well they weren't I never asked how they separated, divorced, whatever. My biological mother wanted to move halfway between Montana, where my sister that she raised moved to Montana, actually from Las Vegas to Montana. Anyway, and even that, it was hard to get away. You didn't realize that I just can't get away that much. You know, I was involved in in stuff here in Sacramento and, like I said, having kids. So went up there when we could maybe once a year, but she would write me every year on my birthday. So yeah, I still have those letters because she passed in automobile accident in 96 up in Montana Mm. and she was in her seventies at the time.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's tough. Looking back, did you see adoption shaping you? How did you see that as maybe as a child and then as a teenager and then as an adult, did you see it shaping you in any way?
2: Hmm. Good question. I'll have to think about that one.
1: (laughs) You said, mentioned something about anger issues being adopted.
2: Yeah. Anger at my birth mother. Mm. Okay. At your birth mother. Yeah. But the anger at my adopted parents, not really. How did it shape me? I'd say it shaped me by, I discovered this fairly recently and I was just listening to, uh, I'm going to listen to the full thing another adoptee posted on Facebook a YouTube thing on uh, biological mirroring Mm. and I so I didn't have that so that it did not shape me I'll say (laughs) in that respect yeah so not having that it um, you know I wasn't aware of that until I found the adoptee community on Instagram and I started searching Facebook and I go, Oh, there's a huge community. It's been around there for 20 years. And I'm going really? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know.
1: It's crazy. So do you consider yourself ever being in the fog? Do you use that term at all?
2: I'm still trying to wrap my head around that or my brain, whatever about that. I've been reading about it. If you have a good explanation, but I think coming out of the fog was when, and I don't mean this in a bad way, it was when my late wife passed. I had never lived on my own, which Mm. I come to realize that I needed to live on my own before getting married. And that would have changed a lot of things. But it is what it is. And the past is the past. But Living them on my own, as well as being in a therapy group, I was diagnosed with PTSD and then Mm. suggested that I take L-tyrosine. And after being on that for about three and a half years, something switched in my brain. It woke me up. It gave me a, a different awareness coming out of the bog, yes, but it was also with the help of of this L-tyrosine stuff. And I looked it up and I go, that's what it does. It really has an impact on the brain. Mm. So yeah, check that out if you <laughs> want to. It's quite an interesting little, it's just a something our body produces and it helps with our thinking and awareness, whatever. So it was uh, a good thing.
1: So what did that open up for you? What were you more aware of?
2: I'm just aware of the world around me. Everything just, like I said, literally came out of a fog. I literally woke up. My brain woke up. Energetically, I'd say it would be mm-hmm. the proper term. I just woke up energetically. And yeah. to, to things, I knew that I could, before that, I when I was getting an email or a phone call, you know, I knew that before that time, I could sense that I was going to, you know, just have that connection. Mm-hmm. But having a a larger connection with the universe or something, I don't know what it was, but something switched. And I know from other things that during that time, uh, a shift in the Earth's energies also was happening. Mm, So so that
1: had to feel pretty freeing, I would think.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a freeing feeling. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So... Let's talk about what's helped you personally in dealing with adoption or anything that's come up with about that. What's helped you?
2: You know, I, I find it interesting that that question, what has helped? Before I was found, I was reading psychology today. And then after I was found, I go, "Oh, I didn't need to really going down that path anymore." So, what helped me a lot of the people online from Instagram to a lot of the other adoptees, what they have said, are saying, I have a lot more studying awareness. Mary Constance, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very helpful. Yeah, and others I've connected with, it makes me sad and angry at the same time. Uh, lady up in you, you probably watched that awakening world thing that I did, mm-hmm. the lady up in, um. Oregon mm. uh who was an illegal adoption. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's amazing. The stories are amazing. Yeah. Um, some of them. You just shake your head.
2: Yeah. She is the sweetest, kindest mm. lady. Yeah. Helps others. Yeah. Anyway. But back to the question again, if you repeat it, it was what
1: what has helped you personally?
2: What has helped me personally? Hmm around adoption is How
1: about your spiritual practice
2: yeah my spiritual practice of I was gonna say it's a, a unity church so yeah but what has helped me most is finding my current wife she's done her work my first wife uh late wife whatever you want to call her I don't know why they say it's late but for what I don't know <laughs> she didn't want to do therapy I go to mm-hmm. couple therapy or anything so she thought prayer was the answer. Not always. <laughs> so, yeah, we both have, uh, we're in unity. And and now we've gone to, I will call deeper, higher, different a uh, different path, let's say, mm-hmm. but still very spiritual. And, but that's helped a lot, having somebody who's caring, loving, and done their own work. And that has been the biggest uh, help for me as far as that. As far as what's uh, been the biggest help in adoption, that and finding, doing my own work with uh, Adoption Duff and finding out the history of adoption and all that has been a real um, eye-opener, so to speak. My understanding or belief now is I'm not for adoption anymore. But I think my first real step in speaking up and speaking out was asking Scott Thomas to put together a group for Adoptee's Awareness and Trauma on the Awakening World show on August 2nd. Mm -hmm. That was uh, my first step. And this is the second. So, uh, yeah. How was that? It was, it it went well. It was very well received sometime in the past couple of years though, i found out that uh what's his name steve he i know he lives in denver colorado area who runs the not the shift network anyway but there's another guy i was really surprised that he has adoptive boys and he uh, steve farrell that's his name and he, uh, his boys have um m- mental issue trauma issues and i don't think he's i had to, i really mentioned to him at the time because mm. it was like oh you you need to read this book <laughs> you know i had scott katamas pass it on pass the word on to him to, to do that
1: and what book were you talking about
2: oh yeah the primal wound
1: oh the primal wound <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah. that should be uh this should be essential reading for any uh, one that's thinking about adopting
2: <laughs> yes absolutely
1: Yeah, definitely needs to be some education there. Yeah, not that's not there.
2: Yeah. One of my uh, closest guy friends and his wife were here a few months ago and she's a a therapist and I showed her that book and she loved it, (laughs) you know, help her with some of the kids, uh, kids kids she's dealing with. And uh, so, yeah, kind of an eye opener for (laughs) she had to go buy the book even, I think, later.
1: What do you think about a lot of adoptees really don't like that book because it was written by an adoptive parent, so they won't, they reject the book. What do you think about that?
2: Wasn't she also a therapist herself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that could be part of it. Maybe it hits a chord with them that says that they didn't recognize this wounding in the first place. You know, it's even challenging for me to deal with this small wound that's, that affects our DNA, both mother and, you know. So I'm happy the book was written, but I don't think it's a book you know, that an adoptee can read all the way through. I think it's written more from a therapist's point of view.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on where you're at, you know, in yeah. your journey too. I, the first yeah. time I read it, I wasn't ready to read it. And I rejected everything that was said in the book, but I wasn't out of space to look at it objectively um, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So in closing, what would you like struggling adoptees to know?
2: Mm. Struggling. Hmm. Find a good therapist. I was just listening to a podcast that talked about MDMA for a therapist i don't know if you know what it is
1: emda
2: mdma assisted therapy how ecstasy can heal your life and create more love
1: mm. interesting the psychedelic that's a whole another healing modality that a lot of adoptees are exploring
2: it's a psychedelic but it's not at a hallucinogen it talks about the difference too oh interesting
1: Yeah, I know a lot of adoptees are, um, it's helping.
2: I'm going to be looking into that myself, too.
1: And anything else you can think of for struggling adoptees?
2: For struggling? You know, I think I'll say this. The universe loves every one of us, and we are all one in this world. And whatever you're going through, just have faith. Yeah have faith, learn to love yourself. That's really a big thing. Learn to love yourself. Yeah, definitely. I know that's I'm working on. Yeah.
1: That. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've been working on it for 15 years and I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but um, it is the process. And every time you think that you've reached the end then there's another layer of that onion that comes
2: off. <laughs> right right
1: process yep not a not as a journey not a destination definitely yeah especially when you're adopted i think
2: i'll just i'll just end with this there's still this i won't call it nagging but there's still this feeling there's something missing in my life
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know that i haven't been able to i would love to have a a biological connection but i don't know if that's going to ever happen but as i say i'm just going to learn to live with it and love myself
1: yeah yeah well thanks for sharing your story today i know there's a lot of people out there that can relate to something that you said and it'll help them so thanks for
0: coming on today roger you're welcome thanks again roger for coming on the show and telling your story some days it feels like we're all still peeling that onion doesn't it just when you think you've arrived there's another layer that needs to come off but that's just life in general, isn't it? If we don't keep peeling, we don't grow. But like Roger said, if you learn to love yourself, that is half the battle right there. And if you're able to do that, home is wherever you hang your hat. Because home is wherever you are and it doesn't matter. If biology is in the room or not you are enough and if you are someone who feels that you have lost your way or even lost yourself or if you just need some help and you're not even sure why please contact me my email is mind at gmail.com I am also on Facebook and Instagram I have a website, mindyourownkarma.com, if you want to know more about me and the podcast. If you have been thinking about telling your story on the podcast, please get in touch with me. I will send you some information and we will schedule an interview. Someone out there is waiting to hear your story. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.